This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. If you were kicking around in 1942, some of the things you'd be enjoying as far as entertainment is concerned would, of course, be the movies. Like the story of a cynical nightclub owner protecting an old flame and her husband from Nazis in Morocco. Here's a hint. It starred Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. That's right, Casablanca. And how about this one? The story of a young deer growing up in the forest. Yeah, and I bawled my eyes out, too, when the mother was shot. Bambi. And finally, the story of the life and career of famed baseball player Lou Gehrig, pride of the Yankees. Well, television wasn't happening yet in 42, so what were folks listening to on the radio? Tuesday night comedians Bob Hope and Red Skelton lead the post simply because of its singularity. In head-to-head competition, it was as close as any major race ever seen in network radio's primetime. They finished the season tied for number one. Each led the other's ratings for five of the season's ten months, although Hope won June by default when Skelton left the air for his summer vacation. And finally, the show we're going to feature in the leadoff position, The Great Gildersleeve, was a radio situation comedy broadcast in the U.S. from August 31st, 41 to 1958. And it was one of broadcast history's earliest spinoff programs. The series was built around the character... Rock Morton P. Gildersleeve, a regular element of the radio situation comedy Fibber McGee and Molly, actor Harold Perry, at the outset of the series, Gildersleeve administers a girdle manufacturing company. If you want a better corset, of course, it's a Gildersleeve. And later, and during the remainder of the show, he serves as Summerfield's water commissioner. Tonight's episode is entitled Fortune Teller. Kraft presents... The Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) The Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. Now let's visit our friend, the great Gildersleeve, who's at the Bundles for Blue Jackets Bazaar, preparing to do his bit by acting as the barker at the booth where the pretty girls are going to sell kisses. Well, well, so this is my booth, eh? You know, Marjorie, I think it's going to be fun selling kisses. This is the first time I've heard of it, Uncle Mort. Gee, who are you going to sell your kisses to? Yeah. Uncle Mort isn't going to do the kissing, Leroy. I thought I was wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah, there are going to be a dozen beautiful young ladies to do the work, Leroy. Uh, incidentally, Margie, to be a good salesman, a fellow I should know about what he's talking about, you know. <laughs> now, don't you think that... Uh... No, I guess free samples are out. <laughs> yes. 
Gee, why spend a buck for a wet smack when you can get just as daffy on a dime's worth of taffy? Yes. <laughs> you know, Uncle Mort, that wasn't a bad idea of Leroy. About you kissing any of the ladies. We could charge a dollar apiece. Uh, no, my dear. Why not, Uncle? Because I'd pay a dollar myself not to kiss the type of woman who'd pay a dollar to kiss me. <laughs> Oh, Miss Marge, I got your lemonade stand all fixed up for you. But if we get the big crowd, I don't think three lemons is going to be enough. You better get some more, Bertie. They're going to open the doors in about an hour, and we're expecting a lot of people. Oh, yes. All the gentlemen in town want to patronize Mr. Gillespie's osculation station. Yeah, yeah they do, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. They'll be buzzing around that kiss booth till them poor girls is all puckered out. Yes. <laughs> and all the ladies gonna line up at that yogi man's tent to have their fortunes told. Oh, you mean Yogi Swamahandra? Oh, Penny Banks met him in New York and he's marvelous. We're counting on him as our main attraction. Oh, there's Penny. Oh, Penny! Oh, yeah. Okay, stop now, Marge. I just had the most terrible news. I don't know what to do. Yogi Swamahandra's missed his plane connections and won't be here in time. A fine fortune teller. Why didn't he look in his crystal ball, see that he was gonna miss the plane, and then see that he didn't? <laughs> well, we've depended on the yogi as our big money maker. Well, why don't you get a substitute? Uh, Leroy, do you think that yogis grow on bushes? I don't know. What is a yogi? Uh, a yogi is a man who tells you about your past and future for a present. <laughs> hey, Kenny, isn't there any other one floating around who can pinch hit for this man? Well, I don't know of any. Well, why don't you get somebody to dress up and play the part? Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, that would be deceiving the people. What do you think those fortune tellers do? They look in a crystal ball, they don't see any newsreel, you know. Sure, all you need is a smooth potter with a gift of gab, like Uncle Mort here. Yeah, no, wait a minute, young man. Yes, Uncle, if you wore a costume and makeup and a beard. People would still recognize me. No, you could get away with it. It's dark in that tent. But I wouldn't know what to say. Well, we could help you by giving you the lowdown on the customers. Lowdown? But suppose they got the lowdown on me. Oh, they wouldn't if you changed your voice. Uh, oh, say yes, Uncle Moore. Oh, what am I getting myself into? I'm no fortune teller. Something tells me that instead of being in front of a crystal ball, I'm going to find myself behind an eight ball. <laughs> For, the costume place is three blocks down the street. I know, Leroy, but read the sign. Oh. Have your past, present, and future revealed by famous gypsy physique. If that's psychic, Leroy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Madame Rosalie, the gypsy who reveals all. Gee, Gypsy Rosalie. I've heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy, that's another one. I thought maybe I could pick up a few pointers on how to go about this fortune-telling business from this woman here. Okay, let's go in. No, Leroy, you'll have to wait here. I'll be right back. Good afternoon, sir. You have come to consult Madame Rosalie, the great seeress who sees everything, knows everything, and tells everybody. Yes. Why, yes, that is, if she isn't busy. I shall look in the crystal ball and see. No, I am not. Oh, uh, I see. It's you. Uh, you're free. Uh. No, it will be necessary to cross my palm with silver. Oh, yes, of course. How much? One dollar for three questions. A past, a present, and a future. All right, let me see. Give it here quick. If don't grab, lady. Thank you. <laughs> now sit down and look deep into crystal ball. All right, I'm looking. What next? Ah, la canta, umo, holocadorazzi. If... 
Excuse me, would you mind repeating that? I can't That's what I thought you said. I'll have to remember that. What does it mean? I am calling on the spirit of my forefathers. Yeah, they must have been tobacco auctioneers then. <laughs> well, go right ahead, madam. First for the past. I see not long ago trouble. Yes. There was smoke. A dark cloud behind you. Oh, yes. Bertie burned the toast at breakfast. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Madame Rosalie, she never failed. Uh... And now for the present. Mmm, mm, you get into trouble because of man. Uh, what kind of a man? He is dark, also heavy. Uh, does he have a black mustache? Sure, with black mustache. He gets you in trouble. You know him? Yeah, that's me. I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> now, what about the future? Soon you will have loss, if not careful. Loss. Crystal balls say honey, terror, wagly, dura, blasto, or blasto, plomene. What does that mean? Watch out. Uh, well, thank you very much. Is that all? Yes. Unless you wish to ask the $2 question. Uh, I don't think I'll have the time. Let me see how late it is. Uh, by George, what did I do with my watch? I had it. For I... the time? She's now? No, see here, madam. Where's my watch? How should I be knowing? I thought you knew everything. I do not bother with trifles. This wasn't a trifle. It was an $80 watch. Sir, are you accusing me? Yes. Either I get my watch back or... Hey, I'll bet you put it in that drawer. No, no, you keep out of there. Is that so? I'm going to have a look. You stop that. It's none your business. Well, well, what's this? Madam, you've got enough watches here to start a hot shop. Oh. If, and here's mine. Well, thank you. I guess I'll go now. You, you hesni malocorando sebabaninga crummy todo at new dali. What does that mean? No, no, don't answer that. <laughs> so long, madam, and don't take any wooden watches. Nuts to you, Joe. <laughs> Well, a debutante. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, hey, come on, Leroy. Uh, did you learn anything, Uncle Mort? I'll say I did. When a gypsy says watch out, she means you're going to be out of watch. What do you mean, Uncle? Well, you see this gold timepiece of mine? Yeah. Well, that gypsy tried to... Oh, my goodness, Leroy. This isn't my timepiece at all. Well, wait a minute, Uncle Mort. Where are you going? I'm going back to get my watch from that gypsy woman. But she hasn't got it, Uncle. What do you mean? How do you know? You laid it down on the dining room table at lunchtime and left home without it. Oh, this is a fine mess. <laughs> The bazaar is in full blast. Yeah, not so fast, Leroy. Is everything all right with my costume? If How about the turban? Your laundry mark's showing. Yeah, well... There, that's better. Oh, uh, thanks. How about this beard? Gee, your best friends won't tell you. From a Hindu, I mean. Yeah. Shh. There's Penny and Marjorie and Bertie. Let's see if we can fool them, huh? You pretend I'm the real yogi. All right. Uh, hey, Penny, uh, this gentleman was outside and said he wanted to see you. Uh, this is Miss Banks, Mr. Yogi. Uh, greetings, Mem Sahib. A thousand pardons if I'm late. Oh, Uncle Mort, you look cute. Yeah, what's new? <laughs> I'll never get away with this. Oh, yes, you can, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, sure, Uncle. You look just like you stepped out of Kipling, doesn't he, Bertie? That's right. I'm afraid he's been Kipling all his life. <laughs> People are waiting to have the fortunes told, Mr. Gildersleeve. Now, here's what we'll do. Marge, you sell tickets. Okay. And, Bertie, you and I will spot the customers and tell Leroy their names and all about them. Yes, ma'am. I'm the old to load on the high up. 
And then, Leroy, you go around to the back of the tent. There's a hole there, and you whisper the information to your uncle. Well, how'll I know when Leroy's there? Uh, suppose I knock three times. On a canvas tent? That's like knocking on a wet sponge. <laughs> how about whistling something? Huh? That's a good idea. What do I whistle? How about something boogie-woogie? Yes. No, Bertie, spare me the hot licks. Why not something Indian? Oh, not by the waters of the Minnetonka? No, Marjorie, East Indian, like, uh, uh, pale hands I love beside the Shalimar. Wouldn't you rather hear deep in the heart of Texas? <laughs> no, Leroy, pale hands, not clap hands. Uh, now that should be easy to remember. Just look at your hands. Oh, just look at your hands. What's wrong with them, Mark? You better wash them. They're not pale enough. People are waiting, Mr. Gildersleeve. You better go in the tent and get started. Wait a minute, girls. I'm getting cold feet. Well, just fold them up underneath you and sit on them, Uncle. Uh, now, in you go. Hurry all up. right, if you insist. Careful there, Stoop. Leroy, what did you call me? Uh, Stoop, Uncle, you'll knock your turban off. Uh, oh, yes, of course. I thought you... Well, never mind what I thought you, you said. Just come, get comfortable in there, Uncle Morton. We'll start sending in the victims. All right, whenever you're ready, just shoot the gulls to me, gals. <laughs> uh, now, let me see. How do you do this, Mahatma Gildersleeve? Oh, it must be read to start. Where's that hole in the canvas? Ah, yeah, this must be it. Is that you, Leroy? It ain't Carmen Lombardo. Get set now, won't you? I'm about to tell you a first fortune. Believe me, I'd give a fortune to get out of here. Who is it? It's some man that none of us knows. Oh, this is going to be one of my bad days. <laughs> Can't you stall him off? They tried, but no soap. So you got to take him first. Well, I'll do my best. Uh, how do I look? Your laundry marker's showing again. If... Get back there. Here he comes. I wish I had a mirror in here. Uh, greetings and salutations, Sahib. Hello. Yeah. You have come to consult Yogi Swamahandra, the king of the Hindu mystics, no? No. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> you didn't? Oh, well, then, then why did you come here? To ask you about Alice Higgins and Mrs. Belmont of Arcee and Marie King. Yeah. What about them, Sahib? <laughs> As if you didn't know. If I do. <laughs> come, come, sir. If you care to gaze in the crystal ball, maybe I can locate these people. They sent me to locate you, Andrews. Uh, Andrews? Uh, you are making some mistake. Yes, I, I am the Yogi Swamahandra. Sure, sure, I know that. Yogi Swamahandra. Alias William Andrews. Alias Walter Bunker. Alias Louis the Frost. Alias Pete Brown. If who, me? Yes. And Detective Lieutenant Quinn from Chicago, where you're wanted for jumping bail on bunco charges. If what? You're also wanted in Idaho for obtaining money under false pretenses. In Baton Rouge for running a confidence game. And in Florida for selling rubber plants guaranteed to grow white sidewall tires. back to the great Gildersleeve, who suddenly found himself a much-wanted man by the police of half a dozen cities. Now, that isn't fair. Just a second, just a second. Hold it, hold it. Quietly. Quietly, Roy. And I care what you people say. I came here to grab the yoga, and he's going back to face trial. Officer, you're making a mistake. This is my uncle, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Boy, that's a phony alias if I ever heard one. See, you can see he isn't a yogi. Uh, take your beard off again, Uncle. Yeah. Never mind, never mind. I know he's a fake yogi. His real name is Willie Andrews, and he's known as Willie the Tub. Yep. I am not a tub. 
It's just the way this coat buttons. Yeah, I knew that when I started to fool folks, I'd get into trouble. My mama done told me. But Lieutenant Quinn, if you take him away now, bundles the blue jackets will lose a lot of money. Why don't you wait till we close down tonight? Well, okay, miss, okay. I'll let this grafter operate for the balance of the show, but I'll be on guard right outside the tent. Is that understood? Well, yes, uh, excuse me. Do you mind if I go home? I'm expecting a bad headache. Now, you, you stay right here, Uncle Mort. Uh, Don't worry. We're going to get this all straightened out before the bazaar closes, Mr. Gildersleeve. Come on, let's let the yogi get to work. Come on, Lieutenant. Come on, Marjorie. Leroy. Okay, I'm coming. Uh, take it easy, Uncle Mort. Remember, keep a stiff upper turban. If. How can I? I've been in hot water ever since I put on this Turkish towel. We'll get you out of this, Uncle, if it takes us years. Yeah, and it looks like it will, too. Remember, Willie, no tricks now. Uh, Oh, here we go again. Yes, Leroy, who is it this time? The district attorney? You're getting warm, Uncle. It's your old pal, Judge Hooker. What? Oh, well, that old crab wants his fortune told. Uh, this is the first pleasant thing that's happened to me all day. All right, Leroy, go on, go on, go on. This way you come to have your hand read? Uh, no, Saeed. The yogi, he does not work by the hand. He's the crystal ball player. <laughs> uh, please to take a seat down, Judge. Judge? Say, how do you know I'm a judge? You're speaking to Yogi Swamahandra, queen of the Hindu mystics. <laughs> The great soothsayer who sees all, knows all, and tells a little. Well, that was certainly good, guessing my profession. It's not necessary for me to guess, Judge Hooker. What? I know. Now it will be necessary to cross my palm with silver. But I paid my dollar outside. I have no contact with the outside. (laughs) That is separate business. The silver, please, in form of a $5 bill. I will not. No, sir, I will not. How about that $5 bill you won at poker last night? Say, how did you know that? Shh, don't worry. I shall not tell a soul you were supposed to draw one card and you picked up two. (laughs) Thank you very much, Saeed. Now look deep into the crystal ball. Hey, 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 what are you doing? I'm calling on the spirit of my forefathers. But if you're going to tell my fortune, why don't you call on my forefathers? Because, Sahib, I cannot bark. (laughs) What's that? Silence, please. I am gazing into your past. It is mighty murky. Well, what do you see? I see you have a friend. A dark man with mustache. Is he fat, fella? No, not fat. Maybe a little plump. <laughs> but on him, he's look good. He's handsome dog, no? I wouldn't call him handsome, but he's a dog, all right. <laughs> Enough. You are always abusing this friend, fella. Giving him the hot foot in his soul. Uh, that is bad. For you, I mean. You think so? Yes. We. Oui. Da. <laughs> he said in my native tongue, Is that so? Say, what does it mean? It means be good to Gildersleeves or he give you coughing around, that's what. Say, you're a whiz. I'd like to put you to one last test, though. Uh, now, this is a hard one. 
What's this friend's first name? I know it as well as I know my own. <laughs> He's a Throckmorton P. That's absolutely right. Mm. Say, Yogi, uh, elections are coming up pretty soon. Can you tell me if I'm going to win again? Let me look in the crystal ball. Yeah. Duh, I can see the day of election. You can? Yeah, lots of voters. In and out, all day long. Yes, yes, yes. Now it is late. Twilight. They close the polls. I see, and then? They're counting the votes. Yes, yes, go on. It's getting dark. They're adding up totals. I see. Well, what is it? I think I see. Uh, no, I can't. What's wrong? What's the trouble? It's so dark, I cannot read the results. <laughs> Leroy, stop yelling, Uncle. I, George, I'm ready to yell, Uncle, myself. I've told about more fortunes this afternoon than Dunn and Bradstreet. Oh, cheer up, Uncle Mort. The next one is the last before dinner. Well, all right. Who is it now? Mrs. Salisbury Twitchell. You, that mildewed old scorpion. <laughs> yeah, you know all about her. I better duck now. Yeah, I hope I can hold out. Uh, Madam, uh, Yogi Swamahandra welcomes you. Uh, Hello. First of all, Mr. Swami, or Yogi, or whatever you are, I want you to know that I don't believe in any of this nonsense. Why, of course not, Mrs. Salisbury Twitchell. Oh, you know my name. Who told you? I am Yogi Swamahandra. I know everything. Well, I wager that you don't know everything. What was my maiden name? Excuse me, I got to look in the crystal ball. With this ball, I can even look that far back. <laughs> Oh, I got it. Madam, before you were married, your name used to be McGillum Cuddy. Babe McGillum Cuddy. Uh, uh, all right, uh, that's enough. You don't need to go on. Your father, she had farm, raised turnips. Oh, now that's where you're wrong. They were beets. Excuse, please. But beets look like turnips because this is not technicolor crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> I see many interesting things in your past, madam. Shall I tell you? Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, you know them, and so do I, so why bother? Ah, uh, you have led a very interesting life, madam. <laughs> <laughs> Would make wonderful movie. Uh, do you uh, think so, Joey? Sure. With title, How Green Was My Mr. Twitchell? <laughs> Uh, tell me, madam, you still do not believe in my powers? Uh, no, I've, uh, I've changed my mind. You're positively uncanny. Uh, now, sir, I have a number of problems and I need your advice. Uh, suppose I tell you all about them. Uh, some other time, Mrs. Twitchell. Now I got to go eat dinner. Oh, of course. Uh, why don't you come out to my house? What? Oh, no, I got to relax. And besides, uh, I've already promised Miss Forrester I got to have dinner at her house. Oh, but I must talk to you some more. Uh, I know what. Oh, Marjorie. Uh, what'd you do? Anyone call me? Uh, yes, my dear. I've become so fascinated with the yogi that I've insisted on his coming to dinner at my place. Uh, you must come, too, and bring your little brother and that uncle of yours, Mr. Gildersleeve. If not him, not Gildersleeve. If he comes along, I'll not be there. Oh, oh I'm getting to like you more every minute. Uh, very well. Let's get out of this tent. My car is at the curb. Looks like we're stuck, Uncle. Shh. I've got a reading out of my hand, Marjorie. I'm coming, Mrs. Twitchell. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
Where do you think you're going? I'm going out to dinner. Not without me, you ain't. Oh, Yogi, who is this uh, gentleman? Uh, who? Oh, this. Uh, this is Mr. Quill. He's, uh, he's trying to get me to do some work for the state. <laughs> you, you might as well invite him to dinner, too, because he's going to come along anyway. Oh, uh, now, Yogi, uh, tell me something about India. Uh, India? Sure, Yogi, go ahead. You're an old Indian faker. <laughs> I am Indian fake ear. Well, there's no difference between the two, is there? No more than between a flat foot and a flat head. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's a hot one, Uncle Mort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a hot one, uh, Uncle Mort would have said. Leroy, uh, finish your spinach. Oh, gee, I bet they don't eat spinach in India, do they, Yogi? Uh, da! Where I come from, they stuff children with spinach, so they can't talk at dinner time. <laughs> oh, uh, that reminds me, I've been meaning to ask. Uh, what part of India did you come from, Yogi? Eh, uh, all of me. <laughs> no, no, I mean, where were you born? Oh, born, now I grab you. Where was I born? In my papa's house. My mama done told me. <laughs> well, I think it's time for me to return to the bazaar. Let me see. And, uh, he's already 15 minutes coming to 8 o'clock. Oh, what a beautiful gold watch. Uh, Where did you get it, Yogi? It was given to me by Gypsy's woman. She thought I was a fellow named Joe. I must remember to mail it back to her. Excuse me, Yogi. Yes? The beard is coming off. Oh, my goodness. How's that? Oh, it's crooked. It points off to the left. Oh, how's it now? Any better? Yeah, but we better get out of here before it falls into your finger. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Twitchell, but now I must make the grand scrap. Yes, and after he finishes tonight, we've got to go on a little trip, don't we, Yogi? Oh, well, aren't you staying in town for a few days? No, no. We have a little legal business to attend to in Chicago. Yes. Oh, that's too bad. Madame Twitchell, you said a mouseful. Well, take good care of the yogi on the trip. Oh, sure. I won't let him out of my sight. In fact, I'm going to simply attach myself to him. Oh, holy catfish. Uh, uh, what did you say, Yogi? Uh, nothing, nothing, madam. I was only praying to the holy catfish of the Ganges River. <laughs> uh, goodbye, Mrs. Twitchell. Come on, everybody. Oh, I hope this is over pretty soon. I'm plenty tired of tenting tonight on the old campground. Is that you, Leroy? No, sir, this is Bird. If What are you doing whistling pale hands? Where's Leroy? It's late. He's gone home, and I'm on the swing ship. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, who's next, Bertie? There's a big gentleman with a dull red gleam in his eyes. Huh? Y'all been telling some wife her husband's a philanthropist? Bertie, I've told so many different people so many different stories. I don't know what I said. I better get out of here. Bertie, you go out and stall him a little while, huh? Okay, but he ain't the type to stall good. Oh, now if I can crawl under the back of this tent and sneak out, 
Before that nosy detective from Chicago discovers it. Oh, hello, Lieutenant Quinn. <laughs> what are you doing here? Get back in there, Tubby, before I take you to Chicago in a box. Yes, well, I, I was only after a breath of fresh air. You don't have to crawl out on your hands and knees after it. Now get back in there, Willie. All right, and stop calling me Willie. Oh, man. Excuse me. But are you the man who calls himself Yogi Swamahandra? It does. Have you got an appointment? No, I haven't. Then I can't read your fortune. Okay, then I will read yours. If. Take a good look in the crystal ball, Yogi. What do you see? Um, I see nothing. Well, I see something. I can see you tomorrow morning. You are waking up in a hospital bed. If. What? Your jaws fracture. Both of your eyes are black. Your nose is in splints. And your ribs are barbecued. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? And my predictions come true, my friend, and I'll make sure. Now, wait a minute. Who are you? I just got into town on a late plane, and I find my reputation is ruined. And you've done it, you faker. I am the real Yogi Swamahandra. Oh, you are. Well, I'm certainly glad to meet you. No, you won't be. I'm going to give your face a retread job. No, you don't. You keep away from me. Oh, Mr. Quinn. Oh, Mr. Quinn. Hey, what's the idea? Now, what are you up to? Hey, grab that man. There's your real yogi. Yeah. Do your duty, officer. Hey, come back here and fight. That's uh, to you, Joseph. <laughs> There we were, Judge, me and Willie the Tub locked in mortal combat, but I subdued him by sheer brute strength. Well, seeing what you've done, I guess I'll have to forgive you for tricking me, Gildersleeve. Say, I just remembered, what did you do with my five bucks? Oh, that. (laughs) I did the best thing possible with it, Judge. I've given it to the American Red Cross. I hope everyone who's listening in will find an extra five spot to turn over to the Red Cross this week. Like I did? Huh? If like you did, Judge. Good night. Great Gilder's Day has come to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for Mr. District Attorney next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Mr. District Attorney. It was created, written, and directed by former law student Ed Byron, The series was inspired by the early years of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey. It was Dewey's public war against racketeering which led to his election as governor. And tonight's episode is entitled Blackmail Murder. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, Guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as district attorney, not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens.
stars David Bryan as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. One crime often breeds another, frequently a far deadlier offense. A simple burglary may end in murder, as in the case you're about to hear. Yes, that's the dear, dear doctor. Psychiatrist, huh? Looks more like a jockey. Let's go. here on my desk, but he made me give him the key to the drawer. I'll give it open. Why'd he fire you anyway? I had the recorder hidden under the patient's couch. He happened to hear it this morning. Boom, that was it. How'd you keep him from yelling for the cops? I put on an act, bawled my eyes out, swore I'd just put it there for the first time. Can't you get it open? I got it. Fuck, James. Well, lucky I forgot something and came back. More tapes. I can see I was wrong when I didn't call the police this morning. I'll rectify that mistake right now. Give me that phone. Paul, you knocked him through the window. Grab up those tapes and let's get out of here. the body, Chief. Nine stories. That's a long way to fall, Harrington. <laughs> sure is. Has the family been notified? Yeah, Pat, we took care of it. Wife and three kids. Have you noticed his desk drawer? Hmm. Yeah, pride open. Oh, I found this on the floor beneath it. Yeah. Label from a can of recording tape. I wouldn't want to call it suicide, would you? Oh, not with this setup. Anyone else around? Hmm. The janitor. He couldn't come up with a thing. Gave me the name of the office nurse. Pauline Colton. But he didn't know her address. Well, why don't you see if there's an address book on the doctor's desk? Yeah, that's a good idea. The lab boys get any prints off this drawer? Yeah, I picked up something. Oh, yeah. Here's the doctor's book. Now, let's see, uh, Colton. Ah, here it is. Pauline Colton, 1436 Carrington, Street Apartment 12. Evergreen, 34221. Shall I call her? Uh, no, why not ride out and see her? Let's go. Francis Palmer. Now listen, chick, you got some real juicy stuff on these tapes. But I'm going to argue with you about something. Your idea of what you're going to do with it just uh, just don't make sense. What do I have to do, draw pictures? 
This Charles Francis Palmer is going to give me $500 for the recording of what her husband said during his psychoanalysis. I told you that. Okay, okay. She figures it'll help her get a divorce from the guy, but this thing's worth a lot more than 500 bucks. We got to make it pay off, chick. We got to make it pay off big. How? We ain't going to let Mrs. Charles Francis Palmer hear this tape. We're going to let her husband listen to it. Or another recording of it. I won't do it, Bob. Blackmail's too risky. What are you talking about? We knocked the dock out the window, didn't we? That's homicide. Don't say that, Bob. It was an accident. Try to tell the cops it was an accident. Well, they don't know we had anything to do with it. I don't care. We're going to get a lot more than 500 bucks out of this, and we're going to do it my way. No, Bob. This is my deal. We're doing it my way. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I'm going to burn these other tapes. Hey, give me those. Hold me, Bob. Hold me, Bob. Hold it, Bob. Well, that'll teach you not to argue with me, chick. I'm a guy that likes his own way. Where are you going with those? I'm taking them with me. When you get some sense in your head, call me. You know the number. Thirty-six. Yeah, here it is, Chief. Oh. Apartment twelve. Must be on the first floor. Yes. Mm, locked. Looks like we'll have to press the buzzer. I'll get it. Hope she's home. Oh, you never know. Uh, we're police officers, Miss Colton. We have to talk to you. There we are. Miss Colton? Yes, I'm Miss Colton, but I don't understand this. You work for Dr. Leland Jameson? Yes. And Dr. Jameson was killed in his office this evening. We're pretty sure he was pushed through the window. We thought you might be able to help us on a few things. Pushed through a window? Oh, that's right. We're pretty sure it was murder. Well, but we, we'd better not talk out here. Will you come in? Well, thank you. Well, incidentally, I'm Paul Garrett, district attorney. This is Mr. Harrington, my assistant. Gosh, I... I don't know what to say. Dr. Jameson dead. I... I'm numb. Are you hurt, Miss Colton? You've got blood on your face. That's a bad bruise. Oh, no, no. It's really nothing. I I fell against the chair just now. Oh, in here? Yes, as I was running for the buzzer. No, I'm very sorry. Don't worry about it. I'll be all right. Uh, Miss Colton, do you mind if we look through your apartment? Why would you want to do that? Well, I must tell you, we can't do this without your permission. That is, not without a warrant. And you don't have a warrant? Not at the moment. You don't need one. I don't know what you expect to find, but go ahead and look. Harrington? Okay, Chief. I just don't get this. You were Dr. Jameson's nurse, weren't you, Miss Colton? Oh, that's right. Nurse and receptionist. How long have you worked for him? Let's see. About four months. Dr. Jameson was a psychiatrist. Yes. 
I imagine he did quite a lot of psychoanalysis. Oh, yes, he was in private practice. Uh, was it his custom to use a tape recorder during these sessions with his patients? Oh, no. But he did use a tape recorder. Well, yes, but only for dictating letters and notes that he wanted typed out. These letters and notes that Dr. Jameson dictated on the recorder, was it your job to type them up? Yes, it was. And where did you keep the tapes? In my desk. Locked up? Yes. Did you keep the key to the drawer? I usually left it on the desk in case Dr. Jameson wanted to refer to anything. Well, there's nothing here, Chief. Okay, Hyde. Miss Colton, I appreciate your cooperation. Well, that's perfectly all right. I've got nothing to hide. Well, we might want to talk to you again. Anytime. I, uh, I tried not to disturb anything, Miss. Oh, well, that's all right. Good night, Miss Colton. Good night. Real nice and ladylike, Chief. And she acted as if she wanted to help us. But there's, there's one thing that bothers me. She said she cut her face by falling against a chair. And the only chairs she had in the room were all overstuffed. Right. So she was telling a lie. Why? Well, we'll put a tail on her. And tomorrow morning, I'd like you to call on several other psychiatrists in that building. Find out if they use tape recorders and psychoanalysis. I'll get on it first thing. had dinner yet. I thought you might like to take me out to eat. I thought we weren't getting along. We weren't until the district attorney came to see me a little while ago. D.A., huh? Did he get anything out of you? Not a thing. But he had a man with him who searched the place. I'd have had a bad time if they'd have found those tapes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you would. It looks like I saved you from something, don't it, Chick? You saved me from plenty, Bolt. Hmm. From now on, I'm with you. I think you're going to be good luck for me. Well, that's the way to talk. How about dinner? Sure. Sure, we'll go any way you say. First, I want to make a phone call. Huh? Who are you going to call, Bo? The well-known president of our Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Charles Francis Palmer. I'm going to set up a date with him for tomorrow. You've gone to lunch yet? Oh, no. He's still in his office, Harrington. Oh, good. Well, I talked to three psychiatrists, Chief. What do they have to say? They don't use recorders for psychoanalysis. Patients wouldn't like it. So, the girl told the truth about that. All right. She moved out of her apartment last evening and left no forwarding address. Hey, that makes it tougher. Did anything come out of those fingerprints? Yeah, nothing. They're all blurred up. Hmm. Which means we don't have a single lead on this case. We've got to find one, Harrington. Dr. Jameson had some of the most prominent people in town as patients. I've got a hunch the thing is going to develop into an extortion setup. Unless we can stop it, this town is going to have its own reign of terror. <laughs>
And now, back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A psychiatrist had been murdered in his office, knocked through a window to the street nine floors below. Tapes from a recording machine had been taken from the office, and we felt sure they were going to be used for blackmail. And the crooks proved us right in a hurry. They went to work without losing a bit of time. Accomplished what I had to do and started toward my next appointment. This, of course, made it necessary to take extra precaution. Well, Mr. Palmer? I never agreed to let anything like this be recorded. How did you get this tape? What difference does it make? We got it and we got copies of it. I suppose you expect me to pay you something to keep this quiet. You're lucky, Mr. Palmer. Your wife wants that tape. She wants to use it to get a divorce. This is fiendish. With that for evidence, she'd make a real monkey out of you in court. And when her lawyers got through, you wouldn't have enough left to pay the tax on a movie ticket. <laughs> Dirty blackmailer! Okay, mister, you're asking for it? Oh! Now, you better stay down there, Palmer. You'll really get hurt. You can't do this to me. You can't do this to me! Oh! Take it easy! You'll kill him! Oh! Just knocking some sense into him! That's all! District Attorney's office. Harrington, Miss Miller. Chief there? Oh, yes, he is. Just a minute. Oh, hi. Chief, I'm down at Central Station in Captain Mars' office. They just got a report here I thought you should know about. Charles Francis Palmer was beaten up at his home this morning. Hey, wasn't his name on that list of Dr. Jameson's patients? Oh, that's right. Return in the report. Uh, Palmer's sister. She's indignant and wants something done about it. But Palmer refuses to cooperate. Won't sign a complaint or make a statement. Maybe we'd better have a talk with him. Do you have his address? Uh-huh. 114 Park Cycle. I'll meet me out there. I'll leave right away. Okay, Chief. There's a spot. Right in front of the bank, too. Oh, that's a loading zone, Bold. Who cares? Suppose a cop comes along. So we get a ticket. Shut up. Here comes Palmer. I've been waiting for you. You got the dough? I'll have to talk to you about that. What's there to talk about? All I want's the dough. I've got 5000 here. The deal is ten. I can't get that much. Go back there and get the rest of it. Then I can't. I'm not as wealthy as you think. Oh, look, Palmer. Wait a I... second, Bolt. Give me the five thousand, Mister Palmer. That'll be all right. Oh, thanks. Here, you're dealing with me, Palmer. I don't care what she says. Go on, Mister Palmer. I'll talk to him. <laughs> yes. All right. What are you trying to do? Be the mastermind again? We're pushing him too far, Bolt. We got 5000 out of Palmer. Let's start working on the other people on our list. Hmm. Uh, 
Hello, Garrett. My sister said you wanted to see me. Oh, thanks for coming down. I hope you're not here just because of this accident, Levi. Your sister insists that you were beaten up. She said she heard part of it and saw a man leaving the house. I don't care what she said. I hope you'll forgive me, but I have other things to take care of. All right, Pamela. It means we'll have to find some other way to handle the situation, but one way or another, we'll handle it. I'm sure you will. Good day, Garrett. That's a frightened man, Chief. Nothing freezes people up like blackmail. Yes, you're right. Well, let's get back to the office. I'm looking for a phone booth so I can make a call. They can't trace you when you make a call that way. If you're going to be that careful, why don't you play it smart all the way? What do you mean? Going to Palmer's house yesterday. We're going to walk right into a trap. Yeah, yeah, I thought of that. But how else are you going to do it? You've got to let him hear the tape. Why not mail him a piece of the tape? Hey. <laughs> Kid, you're a real brain. And we meet him somewhere. That's it. Be a lot safer. Sure, sure would. And that's the way we'll do it from now on. Is the district attorney in, please? Yes, he is. Who shall I say is calling? I'm Miss Foy. Oh, yes, just a moment. Yes, Miss Miller. Miss Foy's here to see you, Mr. Garrett. Oh, I'll have her come right in. Yes, sir. Would you go in, Miss Foy? Thank you. Mr. Garrett. Well, won't you sit down, Miss Foy? Thank you. I... I came in as you suggested, Mr. Garrett. Trouble? Yes, I... A man called me on the phone last night. He, he told me he was mailing me a piece of tape recording. I got it this morning. I'm frightened, Mr. Garrett. I... Miss Foy, if it makes you feel better to have a good cry, you go right ahead. But if you're willing to help us on this case, I don't think you have anything to worry about. You... Really think so? What did the man tell you to do? Well, I, I'm supposed to meet him this evening at the entrance to Carroll Park. What kind of an arrangement did he make for recognizing you? I'm to carry a folded newspaper in one hand, a dog's leash in the other. Miss Boy, I want you to go home and forget all about this. You, you mean you're going to take care of the meeting? That's right. You can leave the rest of this to us. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your help and, and your understanding. I want to thank you for coming in. That took courage. I was scared, stiff, But I, I'm glad I did. Goodbye, Mr. Garrett. Goodbye, Miss Boyd. How would you like a job, Miss Miller? Invitation? Oh, something more to your liking. How would you like to play decoy for us? For the blackmailers, I'd love it. Yeah, I thought so. Well, where's Harrington? 
Mm, he said he'd be at the doctor's for the next hour. Call him and tell him to check in here as soon as he's through. Okay. Chick Pocket. Want me to stay in the car? That's right. Keep the engine running. Why is she there yet? Oh, I can't tell with those bushes in the way. Good luck, folks. It's a cinch. Miss Foy? Yes, I'm Miss Foy. I guess you know why I'm here. Yes. What do you want? Three thousand. Cash. Meet me here with her tomorrow night, same time. All right. And uh, don't bring anyone with you, understand? I understand perfectly. Okay. I'll be seeing you. How'd it go? It was a man, Mr. Garrett. He wants me to be here tomorrow night with $3,000. Now, that's what we want. You'll have the 3000 all right. Marked money. The moment he accepts it, we'll grab him. got the money for you. Okay, Here. okay, but keep heading for that car. Take a look, chick. That's not Miss Boy. Get in the car, you! Get going, chick, fast! We're too late. That guy slugged her. One tail light and they're heading through the park. Let's get back to the car. Anyone behind this boat? Not right now. Well, I'm going to slow down there. No use getting picked up for speeding. How do you know this baby ain't the Foy dame? Foy came into the office, didn't she? I saw Foy. How do you like that? We've got to do something about a boat. She can identify us, testify again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what? Well, there's a ravine in the park. I know. Right ahead of us. Pull over and stop then. Douse your light. Keep it running. Come on, you. I'm wide open. Lucky it's late and there's no traffic. Car parked up ahead. Civil lights get in behind. Hey, yeah. Come on. Finish. I'll get her. All right. All right. This will do it. You'll never get away with it. Oh, I think I will. Not with me. Hey, stop. No, no, you don't. Come here. Now, that's enough of that. Hey, what are you... You're all through, mister. Who are you? What is he? He's got a knife. I'll take care of that. Not enough, mister. 
Chad. Yeah, just just let me alone. On your feet. All right. All right, head for the car. You all right, Miss Miller? I'm fine. I'm sorry I didn't get here sooner. Oh, you got here just right. Hey, this looks like old home week. I've got the other one, Chief. Good. Now we can take them both downtown where they can dictate their memoirs to a police stenographer. Get in the car, both of you. Uh, I want a lawyer. You'll get one. But don't expect too much from him. With you, he'll actually be wasting his time. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. I'm sure you read about this one in your newspapers. The people we call Bolt and Pauline were tried and convicted on counts of burglary, extortion, assault with intent to kill, and with murder in the first degree. Both are now serving long sentences for their crimes. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Judy Canova Show, followed by The Shadow. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.